Hey, it's Matt Bowles. If you want to hang out with me in person, I'm going to be at the Latino Travel Fest in Elizabeth, New Jersey, May 31st to June 2nd. And I've got a 15% discount for you to join me. Just go to themaverickshow.com slash Latino. That's L-A-T-I-N-O. There you're going to see your 15% discounted ticket. There are going to be multiple guests from The Maverick Show attending, so you'll be able to hang out with all of us in person. You do not need to be Latino in order to attend Everyone is welcome. Again, get your discounted ticket at themaverickshow.com slash Latino. And as soon as you do, send me a DM on Instagram at Matt Bowles Maverick. Let me know that you're coming so that we can make plans to link up in person. And now here's a clip of what's coming up on today's episode. And on the way back, my friend who was driving, he didn't want to pay for the toll fee. So we were just taking, you know, national road. So we were passing different villages after villages and after another villages. And when we entered one village, there was a car next to us. They were kind of like, give us a sign to follow them. We were like, what is going on? We didn't want to go to so far from the city center because, you know, like, you don't really know what's going to happen if we go somewhere that there is no one. We were like, we're hesitant. We're not actually like driving so far. But then these guys from the car, they were really yelling at us like, hey, you should just drive a little bit more. And then we drove like, I don't know, probably like 10 minutes. And then like we got off because they told us to get off. There were like five of them and five of us, and they had really huge weapons. It was really scary. Today's most interesting location-independent entrepreneurs and world travelers. And learn the strategies and tactics they use to succeed. And now, here's your host, Matt Bowles. Hey everybody, it's Matt Bowles. Welcome to the Maverick Show. I just want to start off by letting you know that I have put together for you what I consider to be the seven keys to building a location-independent business even in a space that is not traditionally virtual. Now, my company, Maverick Investor Group, is a U.S. real estate brokerage that helps people to buy cash-flowing rental properties in the best U.S. markets from anywhere. And when I told people that I was co-founding that business back in 2007, they told me, I was crazy because a real estate brokerage is not a traditionally virtual business category. But fast forward today, I have run that business from 65 different countries and 100% of our staff is fully remote. And since then, I have been asked to speak around the world at Nomad conferences about how to do this. And now I have distilled it down for you to the seven keys of building a location independent business. And you can get that at the maverick show.com slash keys. 
This is completely free. It's just going to ask you to enter your email address, which will put you on the Maverick Show's Monday Minute email newsletter if you're not already subscribed. And then you can check it out. It's waiting there for you now. TheMaverickShow.com slash K-E-Y-S. And now let's get into the episode. My guest today is Juki Lee. She is a travel writer and photographer, a translator, and a freelancer in the AI space who has been a full-time digital nomad since 2018. Originally from Korea, she has now been to over 60 countries, and she is fluent in Korean, Spanish, and her third language, English, in which we will be conducting this interview today. Juki, welcome to the show. Hey, hello, Matt. Thank you. I am so excited to have you here today. We need to just set the scene and talk about where we are recording this from today. We are in person in Salvador de Bahia, right on the beach in Brazil. You have spent more time than I have here in Salvador. This is not your first time, but we've been hanging out this entire week and you are about to leave to go to Rio de Janeiro, which I'm super jealous of because Rio is one of my favorite cities in the world. But I want to ask you, what do you love about Rio de Janeiro for people that have never been? What's it like? So my ex used to tell me that Rio is the most beautiful city. And I actually didn't believe it before coming to Rio. And then when I saw it, I realized it is really one of the most beautiful city. Rio is amazing because you will see the sea and mountain together in one go. And there are so many hiking spots. And if you are into Instagram, that's like a lot of amazing photos you can take. I really highly recommend Rio. Come to Rio. <laughs> I totally agree. I have traveled a lot. I as well, like you, have been to over 60 countries. And I tell people it is the single most beautiful city I have ever seen in my life. And you kind of just have to go there to experience it. So totally agree with that. Juki, I want to ask a little bit about your background, though, and give folks a little bit of context for you and your story. You grew up in Korea, which is also one of my favorite countries. I spent about five weeks in Seoul and I went to Busan and I went up to the DMZ as well. And I just had the most wonderful time. I've been telling everyone about it, but I want to hear a little bit about your story. Can you talk about where you grew up in Korea and what your experience was like and then how your interest in other cultures started to develop? So I was born in Seoul, but I grew up in Ulsan. That's like one hour from Busan, that's the second biggest city. Ulsan is a really industrial city. That's where your Hyundai cars are produced. And the city is pretty industrial. So growing up, I didn't meet any foreigners. But even if so, I was really always curious about meeting different culture, different people from different countries. Well, I want you to put people on to some of the things that you love about Korea. So I have been telling people all sorts of stuff that I love about Korea ever since I went. For me, the food is unbelievable. It is some of the best food in the world. And they have some of these restaurants where they only serve one dish. Like they have a restaurant and they only serve beef bulgogi or they only serve something else. And so you go there and there's no menu 
and you just go and you sit and they just serve you the beef bulgogi with the kimchi because that's all that they have. There is no choice. And it is amazing. It's very inexpensive. It is remarkable. And I would just go and have beef bulgogi at the same place every single day for like 30 straight days my entire month there. And it was so delightful. Or I would know where I could go at like three in the morning when I coming out of the club to get my octopus bibimbap and it would be they would do it spicy for me and it would be so beautiful and lovely and I have the most wonderful culinary memories from Korea but I also the other thing that really won my heart culturally about staying in Seoul in particular was that Korea is really the mecca of Asian hip-hop culture And I sort of knew that going in, but when I was there, it was just so profound. I mean, for people that don't know, the breakdancing in Korea is unbelievable. Like the Korean B-boy and B-girl teams, I think they've won the international competitions like every year for like over a decade now. So that's amazing. All of these hip hop clubs, hip hop shows. So for me, I was a hip hop DJ back in the 90s. And so that's a big part of my heart and soul. And then to go to Korea and just to see how hip hop manifests itself in Korea and how much love people have there and to be able to find all these hip hop spots that really won my heart. And then there was just, I mean, there were so many things. It was like one after another. And so I have been telling everybody do not sleep on Korea. You got to go, you got to spend time there. But I'm curious for you, Juki, what are some of the things growing up there, being from there that you would put people onto or that you really love about Korea? I mean, as you say, Korean food is really amazing. Like they never charge you a tip. That's really cool. And then they give you water for free. And then you can ask side dishes, refill for free. I think Korean food is a really amazing thing. And what I like about Korea is it's really one of the most dynamic country. Whenever I come back after one year, two years, I can see the changes. The country is changing really fast and then the trend is going really fast. So I think it's really fascinating to see the change and the witness it. And I think it would be really cool if you visit now and if you visit five years later, you might see something different. And I think it's, it's really nice. And the nature is also really amazing. 70% of the country is mountain. So like in the autumn time, if you go to mountain, you will see a lot of autumn trees. Like the leaves are really beautiful. And people are actually also like nice that they're hospitable. Like they always want to feed you. And I like that about Korean people. So yeah, welcome to Korea. <laughs> <laughs> I have been telling everybody to go. Well, I also want to talk a little bit about your travel journey. And can you talk about what inspired you to travel? You mentioned where you grew up. You didn't interact with a lot of foreigners. There wasn't a lot of tourism and a lot of interaction with other international folks. So can you talk a little bit about what inspired you to travel? And then what was your first major international travel experience outside Korea? I think I'm simply very curious person. Like since young, I was really curious about outside of Korea. And in high school, I had a friend and she has a pen pal friend in Ireland. And I remember that she actually went to university in Ireland. And that was really for me because I didn't really know how to speak English or anything. So I couldn't dare. I think she was really inspiring for me. After a little while, I decided to go to travel to Latin America. I think back then, most of the people, Koreans were traveling to mostly Europe or other Asian countries, but I wanted to go somewhere new. 
And I took Spanish one-on-one in the university. So I was like, okay, I need to use a little bit of Spanish. So like my first like big major trip was to Peru and Argentina, Bolivia, and Chile. But the funny thing is when I arrived, I didn't even remember how to say thank you in Spanish. <laughs> so what impact would you say that that trip had on you? Because I've been to all four of those countries. They are truly spectacular. I tell people that... Lima, Peru has some of the best food on the continent that you will eat. It's amazing. Bolivia, I think, to this day, has some of the most stunning landscape and some of the most unique natural landscape and the salt flats and the there's rainbow colored mountains. It has all of this stuff. And then Chile and Argentina are both completely amazing. I've spent probably six months in Argentina and spent about a month in Chile. These are all very magical places to me that have a big place in my heart. So I'm curious when you did that extended trip and you spent all that time in very different cultures from Korea, what was the impact that that had on you at that age? Back then, there was no Korean travelers in Latin America. So I really needed to force myself to speak English and Spanish. Normally, I'm very talkative. So at first, it was really difficult because I wanted to express myself, but I couldn't because I I was speaking. I mean, I was able to speak only Korean back then. But after like three months, I was able to speak some Spanish. I was able to speak some English and I made a lot of friends. So like my three months initial travel became seven months. From Buenos Aires, I flew to Spain. And I was spending like in European countries for four months, sleeping, you know, like my new friends' places. And I think before I couldn't ever imagine that kind of thing because I don't know, growing up only in Korea, surrounded by only Koreans, that was really something super different, super new experience. I really loved it. Peru and Bolivia, the nature is amazing. And Argentina, in Argentina, I learned tango. That was also really cool. Yeah, I loved all the experiences. Like Uyuni was amazing in Bolivia and Machu Picchu. All that I walked for five days to get to Machu Picchu. The whole experience was really something that like I can never forget. And after that, I think I decided not to live in Korea kind of because like I already tasted (laughs) something good. So I kind of was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to live like this forever. And I know that the following year you ended up going back Can you talk about the next experience that you had? And it started with a road trip, right? From California all the way down through Central America. I have never driven that route. So I lived in California for about seven years, but I never crossed the border by car. So can you talk about how that experience was? Yeah. So I was volunteering for an NGO in California, like Northern California, and educate volunteers. And then like you do fundraising in the U.S. And then you go all the way to Belize. But then like we were five people and then we're driving from California and then crossing the border to Mexico and after that Guatemala, El Salvador and Honduras. All these countries like we're traveling in one month, like visiting small cities and all that. And then ended up in Belize. And I actually did it four times because we were driving back from Belize to the U.S. And next year, I did it again. So I drove to all the way to Belize again. But that time was from Michigan. So I did that actually several times. It wasn't the easiest to trade, but it was really fun. It was really cool. I mean, you were traveling with your friends and then 
sometimes you need to give some money to be able to cross the border. So it was like a lot of adventure. And then that year in 2008, you ended up staying in Belize and living with a Mayan community there for like five months, right? Can you talk about that experience, what you were doing there and what it was like? Yeah, I was living in a place in the Mayan community, so I didn't have electricity nor water. And it was with the house. One day when I entered the house, the snake fell from the ceiling. It was really, I don't know, there were so many, so many cockroaches everywhere. But the experience was really cool and fun because we were basically helping people to aware of HIV, AIDS. And also back then, they don't have computers. So I actually drew a shape of a keyboard and I was teaching the kids how to type the keyboards. Also, we're teaching how to make compost and organic farming and all that because mainly people eat iguana and like tortillas. So they were not actually eating any vegetables. So we're also teaching how to grow vegetables and eat all, all that. Well, I know that after you did that in 2008, you continued traveling and you started couch surfing. For people that have not heard about couch surfing, can you explain what that is? how it works, and maybe some of your most memorable couch surfing experiences that you had. Well, actually, couch surfing experiences started already in that trip. So we were five of us together. We didn't have so much money. So like we needed to find places. So like one day in Las Vegas, we were sleeping couch surfing place. And then like we didn't really care about sleeping on the floor. So I was just like sending messages, hey, it's okay. Can you please let me sleep anywhere and the floor is fine. That's how we actually traveled all the way from the States to, to Belize. And after that, I have really amazing experiences. Like one day I was in Japan and then I needed to fly out to like 9 a.m. And the host, he prepared really proper Japanese breakfast with miso soup and then grilled fish and everything. I could never forget it. And also in Mexico, the, I mean, I arrived 7 a.m. They come for me to the bus terminal and then they pick me up and then they bring me to their house. And after that, they go to work and then they leave me some money like with a note, hey, I went to buy milk, but I couldn't buy because the shop was closed. With this money, you can buy your milk and then there is a cereal. You can have your breakfast. With the car serving, I really had wonderful, wonderful experiences. And I actually have hosted some people as well. Once I hosted five people, they were a musical band. And they were all kind of like assisting band for like big bands. And then he invited me. They invited me like their concert. So that was really amazing too. Like I really love car surfing. That's really cool. I have not done it myself, but it seems like a really cool sort of cultural exchange, right? So it's a website that you go to and people offer you a place to stay on their couch or their floor or a spare bedroom or whatever they have. And then you can also offer yours, right? And then a lot of people I have heard enjoy just having travelers come and stay at their place because they get to have all of these international experiences and meet people from all over the world without even traveling because they just come to their house. And then when you're out there traveling, it's a very inexpensive way to get accommodations all over the world. 
So I think that's a really, really cool thing. And I think it's a really cool hack and travel budget strategy if people are interested in that. I do want to ask you more about your experience in Mexico, because I know that has been a big part of your journey. You spent a lot of time there. You have a lot of love there. Can you talk about what brought you to Mexico and where you spent time and how much time you spent in Mexico? Oh, yeah. So the funny thing was I was working for this NGO in the States and then they fired me. So I'm like, okay, I don't want to go back to Korea, but then like, I don't have so much money where I'm going to go. Do I, I'm going to go to Mexico or Canada. Like that's where I can afford flight ticket wise. But then I actually chose Mexico because I used to, I mean, before I leave them, Belize, so I was, I already had experience with Mayan community. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go to Yucatan area. Probably I could find an NGO work there. So like, that's how I ended up. In Mexico and then also I was speaking a little bit of Spanish and I was like, okay, I could probably learn a little bit more Spanish as well. During six years, I lived three years and then I took one year break and another three years. And during this time, I also lived in different parts of Mexico, like Cancun and that's like a Caribbean side, Puerto Vallarta, that's Pacific side. And also I lived in Guanajuato and Mexico City. It's all beautiful. I really love Mexico. It's because you go to different cities, like different country. Well, I know you had one experience there that I want to ask you about when you had a run-in with the narco traficantes. Oh, yeah. Can you share that story? So I had a lot of friends back then. So like one of my friends, he suggested, hey, let's go to the seaside. So from Guanajuato, in the middle of the country. We drove six hours and we went to Puerto Vallarta. And on the way back, my friend who was driving, he didn't want to pay for the toll fee. So we were just taking, you know, national road. So we were passing different villages after villages and after another villages. And when we entered one village, there was a car next to us. They were kind of like, give us a sign to follow them. We were like, what is going on? We didn't want to go to so far from the city center because, you know, like, you don't really know what's going to happen if we go somewhere that there is no one. We were like, we're hesitant. We're not actually, like, driving so far. But then these guys from the car, they were really yelling at us, like, hey, you should just drive a little bit more. And then we drove, like, I don't know, probably, like, 10 minutes. And then, like, we got off because they told us to get off. There were like five of them and five of us, and they had really huge weapons. It was really scary because also I was wearing shorts because we were just coming from the seaside. They were actually checking the cars because they were actually suspecting us coming from different family, narco family, because we were driving a pickup truck without the number plate. Anyone could probably suspect we're like, I don't know, from different family or something. In the end, nothing happened because they checked in the car and everything. And then they saw us. We're kind of like two foreigners and three women. So like they just let us go. It was really, really scary because they were standing in front of us like with whole like huge weapons. And then we're just like standing there. And then like the last thing that they told us were like, hey, if somebody else is up a little after, just tell them that you already checked. So like, I don't know, like we were still nervous afterwise. We were driving and I was like, oh my gosh, like we were going to be stopped again. And then we took the toll road right away. It was really scary. <laughs> that is the lesson. Stay on the toll road. Yes. 
Juki, I want to also ask you about the time that you worked as a photographer for an extreme tour company and what that involved. Can you share about that? Yeah, that was in Mexico as well because I lived in Mexico for six years, so I have a lot of experiences. I cannot actually say I'm a super professional photographer, but that extreme tour photographer was really amazing because they actually gave me one year training. Some of them was kind of enclosed like free fall because we were like working in 20 meters high platform on the tree. If there is something happens like fire or anything, you need to get trained so that like you can make your client escape in a free fall way. So like we were training like free fall from like rappelling 20 meters high and all that. And then my job was there were six guys and one photographer and then 14 clients. So I take a picture of 14 people and I need to run like zip lining, zip lining, zip lining. I need to go ahead of them again and then take a picture of them like in the 20 meters high platform, just like on my toes on the platform and then take a picture that my client's going down. I mean, I actually didn't know that I love height so much, but it was like so much adrenaline. It was a really fun experience, but I couldn't continue because I was having some Fungis in my waist because of harness. It was really crazy because normally you have fungus in your feet. So the creams for the medicine for this is normally small, but I was using actually one every day because I had fungus all over my waist. And it didn't go away until I moved to Mexico City. That was a little cooler and no humid. Wow. And then ultimately, you ended up writing a guidebook for the Yucatan and you wrote it in Korean for Korean travelers, right? Yeah. So like a part-time job, I was doing a little bit of like translation and interpretation work back in Cancun when I was living there. The Korean tour company employees or the president, they came to Mexico to see how it is. And then like I gave them tour, but it was kind of like an interpretation because they didn't have anybody who can speak Korean. But one of them, they actually offered this, hey, like I'm gonna, our company, we also publish guidebook. Like, do you wanna write a guidebook about Yucatan? And then I was like, okay, yeah, sure, why not? But it actually took for two years. And when the book was published, COVID happened. So it was not the best timing, but it was a really good experience. I want to take just one minute out to let you know that in addition to hosting The Maverick Show, I am also the co-founder of Maverick Investor Group, a real estate brokerage that helps you buy turnkey rental properties in the best U.S. real estate markets from anywhere. So these are single-family homes sometimes two to four unit properties, and they're either brand new or fully renovated, and they already have tenants and local property management in place. So you get all the benefits of owning the deeded real estate, that physical house, the hard asset, without the headaches of being the landlord or the rehabber or needing to live near the property. So I want to offer you a free consultation if that sounds interesting to you. To learn more about it, you can just go to themaverickshow.com slash consult. And now, back to the episode. Well, I also want to ask you a little bit about your cryptocurrency investing journey and how you have 
used cryptocurrency as a way for creating social spaces and connecting with people around the world as you travel. In my crypto story, I think it's really also fun. I built a house in Mexico 2012. And when I sold it 2015, Mexican peso was really bad. So I didn't want to, but in Mexico, like back then I couldn't open a dollar account. So I don't want to keep Mexican peso. So I changed it all to Bitcoin. That was 2015. And I had a really good community in, in Cancun. Like, I don't know, like they are Bitcoiners, like Bitcoin and Cancuners. So like my community, like they're still my community. Like I love them. So every week we gather together and then with them, actually, we did a lot of different projects as well. We were making some cryptocurrency marketing project. So we're actually getting funded by some cryptocurrency project. Everyone from our community, we traveled to Acapulco and we did some like campaign for some cryptocurrency. And we did also different campaigns in Guadalajara. And then we did some YouTube and then we made blog for Spanish speakers. I don't know, like, I kind of feel like these crypto guys are my, really my people. And then when I was traveling for some time, like, everywhere I go, I move like every month or every two months, I was looking for these people. like. Crypto guys, I'm not everyone is my cup of tea, but I really enjoy like sharing our passion about crypto and all that. Well, I think it's a really great thing to have something that has international relevance all over the world. And so anywhere in the world you go, you can look for people that are interested in the same thing. And then you have a commonality and a common connection, even if it's somebody from a totally different culture or speaks a totally different language or things like that. You have this commonality and it's a way to connect. It's a way to meet local people. And for you, cryptocurrency being one of those things, I think is a really cool thing. I think people can apply that to whatever it is that they're interested in, that they can then go and find in a foreign country and have that immediate connection with people. I think it's a great way to meet locals. The other thing that you do, which I think is really cool, is when you travel around the world, you will organize what you call skip the small talk meetups in different countries around the world. Can you explain what a skip the small talk meetup is and how you facilitate that and then how that works as you travel around the world in different countries? So I've been traveling for long and I kind of feel like I became a little bit cranky. So I'm like, I don't know, I'm really sick of this conversation. Hey, how many countries did you travel? Where are you going to go? Or where are you from? Or what do you do? I was really tired of this kind of small talk. I mean, I kind of feel like you don't really get to know people by asking these kind of questions, right? Like you go to language exchange, you meet like 100 people. Every five minutes, we're actually talking the same thing. So I wanted to do something different. And I, I kind of person that needs a little bit of deepness, but not probably super deep, but a little bit of it. So I make this kind of question card. Hey, how was your parents when you were five years old? What is your like favorite memories of your university time? Or what did you do if you were a dictator of a small island? So I prepared these small, cute questions that to get to know people. And I post this in Facebook groups or meetup.com. So I gather people and then talk about it. And often I ask people not even to ask the names. No nationality, no names. We just go right into, you know, what you think, what you were, you know, like your values. And I think it's really 
cool. And sometimes I actually go by a little bit different identity as well. I think it's really cool too. too. I don't need to be Korean for everyone. I don't need to be Juki for everyone. And it's a really cool way to meet people and interact with people. You just take your mask away and meet people in a different way. I think that's really, really cool and interesting. I really like that you do that. I also want to now ask you about your love of books and your love of libraries, especially Korean libraries. Can you talk about that? Yeah, I mean, for me, I think personally, I really like perspective changing experiences. I don't know. A lot of times it is really fascinating for me that like, I don't need to think like I think. So a lot of times books really help me to think a different way, giving me eye-opening experiences. I think that's why I really love books. So sometimes I do like challenges with myself. Actually, some years ago, I started this challenge, 365 days, 365 books. But I actually couldn't make it to a year, but I did 100 days. And then this year I did it again. So like, I don't know, sometimes I mean, I have this time that I immerse myself reading and reading and reading. And that's just giving me so much pleasure and so much knowledge. And yeah, and I mostly read books in in Korean. That's a little bit shame. Whenever I go to Korea, like I go crazy with the Korean libraries. I get 10, 20 books at a time and then I like pile up at the home and I just read one after another. I don't know, I just love it. And that has also been a way for you to connect with people around the world. Can you talk about how you have organized book groups around the world in different places that you've gone and how you structure those, like how you put it out there and how you structure the book groups in all the different countries that you go to? So there are certain countries that I participate because I'm there only for one or two months. So it's not so easy sometimes to gather enough people, but most of the times my aim is kind of like only five people because if it is more than five, it's a little bit difficult to everyone to talk and everything. So like my book club is most of the times we read the same book in one week. Yeah, I'm a little bit hardcore. So I make people to read one book a week and it lasts during my stay. It can be like four weeks or it can be eight weeks. Every week we read the same books and I prepare 20 to 40 questions. I don't know. It's just because so many questions pop up when I read books. We share these 20 to 40 questions during our meetups. That's also another reason that I try to keep five people because if you were 10, it's going to be really difficult. And often I know the, my book club lasts four or five hours and it is actually a little hardcore, but people who loves it, it really likes it. I think it's a really nice way to meet people and connect because we share the common interest about like loving books or learning new things and and also, I really love a book club. It's because you read one book, same book, but actually it is not never same book. Five people read five books, different perspective. Like you learn different things from other people. So I really love 
reading books with other people. That's amazing. And I love the part about how it allows you to find your people, the people that want to read one book a week, the people that want to discuss it for five hours in one sitting. And then, you know, you really have your people. I mean, I think that's such a lovely example. And there's other examples like that about things that people are passionate with. And you put out into the world the things that you're passionate about and you offer to organize and facilitate these things and you will attract other people that are passionate about those things. And then you will find as you travel the world that there are people all over the world that are passionate about the same things that you are, whether it's cryptocurrency or books or deep conversation meetups with really diverse people from different cultures or whatever it may be. And so I think that's really inspiring that you have taken all those initiatives and have all of those examples. Another topic I want to ask you about, Juki. You and I have been recently here in Salvador hanging out with some other digital nomads. We got into a conversation the other night about dating and relationships and finding love as a nomad. And you have been in this lifestyle for many, many years now. And I would love to ask if you'd be willing to share some of your thoughts and reflections about dating and relationships in the nomad life and how all of that works. A lot of people say that dating as a nomad is not very easy, but I don't know, like my last relationship was just like, I arrived in Budapest and I went to a digital nomad meetup. And first meetup, I met my ex and we were traveling together for more than four years. Recently broke up, so it's a little bit, I'm having a little bit like difficult time. But traveling with you, my partner, like it was a really amazing experience. It's because wherever you go, you know somebody. You go to a new city, a new home, but you don't feel like it is a new city because you're carrying somebody that you already know. And then you immediately feel like the new house is your home. I mean, I really enjoy that feeling like traveling with someone and all that. And also like I was with that person during COVID 24-7 together. Like we had a really wonderful time. I think if you, I was alone, it would have been really difficult to be like 24-7, like not going out because there was lockdown and all that. Also, like when you're traveling with your partner, decision making, I think it's also become a little easier too. As you know, man, I think you have so many places to go. You, you want to go so many places. But when you are with someone, sometimes it gets a little easier to decide the next destination. And I think that really helps as well. And logistically, also like things get cheaper because, you know, you rent one house, so rent is cheaper. And also when you want to cook something, that's also like less work and then it's cheaper. Having partner, as you know, man, I think is one of the, the best thing you can travel with someone. Yeah, it was a really, really nice experience. I actually want to travel with someone again soon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love the fact that you are from Korea. Your partner was from Brazil. The two of you met at a digital nomad meetup in Budapest, Hungary, and then fell in love and traveled the world together for four years. I mean, I think that is fantastic. I think it's amazing. I think it's important that people know that, you know, there's plenty of folks out there that are looking for a relationship and are looking for exactly what you just described. And they're there and you can meet them and somebody that has the similar values, similar lifestyle choices and stuff. And then uh, you're able to do that. The beginning of my nomad journey began, I was in a relationship, I was living in LA and my partner and I departed the 
U.S. together and traveled the world together for three years before we ended up breaking up. So it's very similar to what you're describing, right? Like I very much resonate with all of the things that you're saying, because when you're traveling with a partner, there are so many wonderful and delightful things about that. And there's a lot of people now in the digital nomad world that are looking for exactly that. So when you get out and you start interacting with those folks, there's a lot of amazing people that you can meet. Juki, when you think back about all of the travels that you've now done, 60 plus countries, what impact do you think all of that travel has had on you as a person? So I don't think it's only Korea, but wherever you live, there's some cultural pressure or cultural expectations from like your people. And I kind of feel like I can be myself just because I mean, I'm traveling and people don't expect for me to do certain things and all that. And I don't seek for like sense of belongings anymore. I kind of feel like I can belong anywhere. It's just like, it is really totally okay to be myself and be with myself. And this whole year of traveling, I think it gave me really the sense of it is okay to be myself. I love that. And I think that is actually a great place to end the main portion of this interview. And at this point, Juki, are you ready to move in to the lightning round? Yes. Let's do it. The lightning round. All right. What is one book? And I know you are a voracious reader and you love so many books, but what is one book that you would recommend that people should definitely read? So last summer, I organized a book club in Budapest. And one of the books that we read was The Weirdest People in the World. It's kind of like a history book. I could say it's similar to Sapiens, but it is like a more recent history, like 10 last centuries. For me, it was really interesting to be able to understand this part of history, how like Western people became certain way and the rest of the world is actually following the Western way. So it was a really interesting book to be able to understand the world. All right, Juki, if you could have dinner with any one person who's currently alive today that you've never met, who would you choose? It is, again, book related. It's the author of a book like Sapiens. I think, yeah, I read the Sapiens several years ago. I really loved it. And I would like to meet the author Yuval Harari. Like, yeah, he is going to be the one I would like to have dinner with. All right, Juki, after all of this travel that you have done, what is one travel hack that you use that you can recommend to people? So for me, affordable accommodation is really important. So what I do is like, you know, like there are some cities in Europe. I think it's specifically in Europe. There's some cities there. It is like a student town, like Budapest. So if you go to Budapest in summer, you can actually find like affordable accommodations because people go back to their countries or they go to go on a vacation somewhere else. And then I go to, I don't know, the beach town or a Spanish like coast side. I go there in the winter because that's a lot more, like a lot cheaper, but also like you don't really don't have people around. I really love that like, the whole sea area is only for me. Like you're walking and there's really nobody bothering you. And then they're all just a super peaceful and I really like that. And it's also cheaper that way. Absolutely. That is a good one. All right, Juki, knowing everything that you know now, if you could go back in time and give one piece of advice to your 18-year-old self, what would you say to 18-year-old Juki? So I grew up in Korea. The 
I mean, really competitive society, right? And then when I was 18, I tried to sleep for three hours because in Korea, there was a saying, if you sleep for three hours, you can go to the university that you want to, but if you sleep four, you're not going to go. So I was like, I don't know, most of the times I really tried not to sleep and then studying like for 20 hours. And I want to really tell her that, hey, you can sleep and it is okay. And then like your future is going to be amazing and then you don't need to worry about it. Everything's going to be fine. You don't need to be anxious and you're going to be an amazing person as an adult. Oh, I love that advice. All right, Juki, of all the places that you have now traveled to, what are three of your favorite destinations you would most recommend that other people should definitely visit? A lot of people actually ask me, where is my favorite place often, right? And the answer normally that I give is where I am right now. I try to think that way. I don't know. I try to not to miss anywhere. And then I think it's kind of like state of mind. Where you are right now is the your favorite place. You just try to enjoy it. But still, I can actually give some more places. Like I love Budapest because that's where I kind of feel like my community is. And also, I love Rio de Janeiro. That's a really beautiful place. Penang, Malaysia, it's also amazing. And actually, I cannot skip Mexico because Mexico is my second home. So sorry, so it's four, not three. <laughs> You're allowed to have four. Those are great. Why do you feel like you have such a strong community in Budapest? Can you talk about your connection with that city? Oh, it's because, as I mentioned before, it is difficult for me to like this kind of language exchange meetups. In Budapest, there are like some sort of self-development meetups that it is going on like for seven years. So like I'm going back to Budapest every summer, actually. And then I know that there is this community. I know that they're going to be talking about intuition this week or they're going to be talking about productivity next week. So I know that there's going to be this community. So I kind of feel like Budapest is my third home. Awesome. All right. Last question, Juki. What are your top three bucket list destinations? These are places you have not yet been highest on your list you would most love to see. Yeah, it's changing a lot. But then like last month when I was in Tbilisi, Georgia, I hosted a car surfer from India. I really want to visit her. So it's going to be India. And then really funny thing, I was checking workaway options in Jordan. And then I found out that there is a Korean initiative, some sort of movement going on in Jordan. So it's an NGO. And I think I'm going to go to Jordan like very soon. And I'm going to be volunteer in that organization. It's going to be really cool. And Estonia. I have like one of my favorite, one of my best friends is in Estonia. So yeah, that's going to be the three countries. All right, Juki, I want you to let folks know at this point how they can find you, follow you on social media, learn about what you're up to. How do you want people to come into your world? So I'm actually not super present in social media, but I do have Instagram and that's it's my name. It's Lee.Jukyung, that's how you can find. We are going to put it in the show notes. Everything that we discuss on this episode will be in one place. So folks can just go to themaverickshow.com 
and then go to the show notes for this episode. There you're going to find Juki's Instagram handle. You're going to find her recommendations she's made in this episode and everything else that we have discussed. Juki, this was amazing. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Really, thank you for having me. Thank you. Oh, it was great to have you. Good night, everybody. All right. I hope you enjoyed that episode. Just a final reminder to subscribe to the Maverick Show's Monday Minute email newsletter. No long articles here, just three bullet points that I put together for you and drop into your email inbox every Monday that you can consume in under 60 seconds. You can subscribe at themaverickshow.com slash newsletter. Again, that's themaverickshow.com slash newsletter. Be sure to visit the show notes page at themaverickshow.com for direct links to all the books, people, and resources mentioned in this episode. You'll find all that and much more at themaverickshow.com. Learn how Maverick Investor Group can help you buy cash-flowing rental properties in the best U.S. real estate markets, regardless of where you live. Schedule a free phone consult today at themaverickshow.com slash consult. Now you can buy rental properties with tenants and local property management in place so you don't have to be a landlord or a rehabber to get your questions answered and discuss how Maverick Investor Group can help you meet your real estate investing goals. Schedule your free phone consult today at themaverickshow.com forward slash consult. If you like podcasts, you will love audiobooks, and you can get your first one for free at themaverickshow.com slash audiobook. Whether you want the latest best-selling novels or books on investing, business, or travel, try your first audiobook for free at themaverickshow.com forward slash audiobook.